My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script. I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it. I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot. I even got a famous classic case of writer's block. Get it out of my head. Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me today is Shannon Houston. Hello, Shannon. Hi, Pilar. How are you? Well, I'm fine. I'm a little bit giddy. And when people listen to what you write on, they'll be giddy too. You ready? Okay, this is Shannon's bio. Shannon Houston is a poet, critic, and TV writer who currently writes on, ready, HBO's addictive new series, Lovecraft Country, helmed by Misha Green. In 2016, she transitioned to the TV world after selling a pilot to Amazon, and she has since written on Hulu's The Looming Tower, Amazon's Homecoming, Hulu's Little Fires Everywhere, and HBO Max's Station Eleven. She is also the co-host of Lovecraft Country radio podcast, which everybody has to listen to. So yeah, Lovecraft Country. Hello, Shannon. Welcome. Hi. Hi. It's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. It is a lot. I mean, I have to I have to jump right in to that. Oh, I sold a pilot in 2016 and now I'm this incredibly successful writer only four years later. What was that pilot? What did you sell? What was that like? So it's a great story, but I, I have to start by saying, you know, I have to remind myself, I'm like, oh my God, 2016, how did I do this? Well, I've been writing forever. You know, I've been writing since I was a kid and then I went to college for writing and I've been writing about the same kind of things for a, a long time since college. And I'd written this long, like 60 page essay about Finishing school at Sarah Lawrence, getting my degree, having multiple babies at the time that I was trying to finish, um, chaos and grief. My mom passed away when I was 15, but I was still heavily grieving that when I was in my 20s and, of course, becoming a mother myself. So I wrote this very, very long thing. And because I was a TV critic at the time, a TV and film critic, um, I'd developed a bit of a relationship with Joey Soloway and they like, I don't, I don't know what possessed them to do this, but I'm so grateful that they read this very, very long thing that was not a script, but was really like an essay. And basically long story short, asked me if I wanted to make it into a pilot and if I wanted help doing that. And then they proceeded to help me do that. And um, they took the pilot Topple, uh, Joey Soloway and Topple took the pilot to Amazon and Amazon bought it and the rest is history. So that was the beginning of, of my new life here uh, or my new transition into television writing. So as, a, as somebody who'd written in another form and then suddenly you're writing, you're turning that into a pilot, you must have loved the script writing process because that is now what you do. So did something... And you click when you started turning it into an actual script? 
I would say yes and no, because at first it wasn't clicking, Mm -hmm. you know, like it is a different format. It's not an essay. It's not a poem. It's not a piece of criticism. And that had been mostly what I'd been writing up to that point. Um, And this really was my, like one of my first attempts at writing a script. And so I had to, I mean, I had to do what everybody is supposed to do. I had to read a bunch of scripts, several that Joey sent me themselves. And I looked up scripts of episodes that I loved and read those. And honestly, like so much of writing is mimicking, right? So I was really trying to mimic in the beginning a lot of things that I liked. Um, So I wouldn't say it was like a perfectly smooth transition. It was tough to be like, oh, like something specific has to happen within the first 10 pages. Um, Have you established this character? Uh, So there was that challenge. I'll say one thing that was really fun for me that I loved all the time and that I was also told I was good at was writing in characters' voices and really getting into a character's head. And I didn't necessarily think of that as a thing, but I did have people tell me, a couple of showrunners say, like, oh, you know how to write in different voices. I didn't know what that meant. I was like, well, don't don't I have to know how to do that? There's different characters. I have to know what they sound like, and they don't all sound the same, and they don't all think the same. But, um, but realizing that I knew how to do that was very encouraging because in the beginning, I, de- I definitely had moments where I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I, I don't know if this is the correct medium for me, but I'm going to try it. And then I try it. And some people said I was good at it. So I was like, Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm doing this right. And I know how to write characters. So I'll just go with that. Also as a, as a poet, sometimes I ask the the poets on this show, isn't there a little bit of a, a, a marriage with poetry and, and script writing a little bit in terms of sort of working down the page and the use of the, the spaces between the lines Don't you think a little bit? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because a lot of poetry is about what you're not saying. Mm -hmm. And a lot of dialogue is about what's not being said. What's being said and then the real thing that somebody wants to say and then those pauses where they can't say it. So, yes, I, I absolutely think that. I also think if you write poetry and if you've been trained in a particular way, you're okay with questions, lingering questions. And I do think that that's important, particularly for my style of screenwriting. I don't want all the answers in the first episode. I don't necessarily even need them, you know, like they have to come eventually, but the, the mystery, uh, that I associate with poetry and all, not just mystery, but, but the idea of, There actually probably is an answer here, but you might have to do a little more work and you might have to read it three times and you might have to read it out loud. Like those kind of things. I think I think that mentality is useful for screenwriting. Well, if you don't like all the answers in the first episode, you have been staffed on the right shows. Um, (laughs) Little fires everywhere. So just little name dropping. We just had uh, Liz Tigelar on ah. the show because she's an, she is a former on the page student. How about that with me? Oh my there gosh, you go. And she, you know, it, she great, gave a great interview, but one point that she really uh, honed in on was the backstory of the women. And um, I think that that was an episode that you wrote, right? Yes. Uh, yes. Episode six, right? For Little yes. Fires Everywhere. How, yes. How interesting. She So she loved that episode because that's what she gravitated toward when she was talking about it. Yeah, we loved, I mean, I think in the room, I mean, we all loved my episode, but <laughs> we loved 
first of all, getting to make up Elena's backstory because it wasn't in the book. So we really got to get creative there and have fun with it. And I think what was so fun and interesting too about that is up until episode six, you felt like you knew who these women were and they made sense to you and either you liked them or you didn't like them or you loved them or you hated them or all of the above. And then I think episode six is the job of episode six is to say, okay, yes to all of that, but also this is what happened and this is how it happened. And it was challenging for me because I had been so obsessed with Mia up to that point. And I was like, how am I going to get in with Elena and get into her head in a way that I can write this? But when we started breaking it and thinking about just those early stages of motherhood, I was like, okay, yeah, I can do this. I can, you know, remember all the stuff that was happening with my body and the sleep deprivation and the insanity. Like one of my favorite moments is when Elena starts breaking the dishes. Like that was definitely something that came from me of like, oh yeah, sometimes you just start breaking things Mm -hmm. because you're that tired and you're that frustrated. So, um, so I think we all had fun with it and I, I loved it. And of course I loved spending more time with Mia and getting into the whole art school vibe. Like all of that felt so good to me. And we had such a great cast for that episode too. So it was an incredible experience. Now, when I listened to your podcast about Lovecraft Country, which you are writing on, mm-hmm. what I realized was you're also a fan of your own show. I'm like, <laughs> she's a total fangirl for the show that she is writing. <laughs> You, I mean, am I right? You are 100% right. I mean, it's Misha Green's show, and I came into it as a fan of Misha Green. I was recapping Underground when I was a TV critic, and I was obsessed with Underground, and I was livid that more people weren't watching it. And so I was definitely pinching myself in that room. And then when we finished, I, I just... I'm not over it. I'm never going to get over it. There's so many layers. Even now I'm watching it with people on Twitter and they are literally seeing things that I didn't see or pointing out references that I didn't even know about or that I didn't remember us talking about. And so it is like this experience of getting to watch it all over again. I have been waiting for this. Like once the room was done, I just was like, I cannot wait for it to be out. I cannot wait for it to be out. So 100% super fangirl. And I said that about the podcast when they asked me to do it. They, they said, we want uh, one of the writers because we want somebody who's an expert on the show. And I said, well, I'm not an expert on the show. I don't think there is an expert on the show. The show is a complicated, strange thing that to me is, this is like very too many literary theory courses, but it's like, it's <laughs> always unraveling. It's still, we won't know what the show is for another 10 years. We won't know what it means for another 10 years. We won't, there's so much that we don't know about it yet. To me, again, there's so much that I'm still discovering that the show is doing that I didn't even know it was doing. So I was like, I'm not the expert on the show. I can be the expert on like what happened in the writer's room if you want me to be that person. And I can be somebody who's going to deep dive into all the themes. Um, But it's a mistake to think you're an expert because that means that you think you know what the thing is. And I'm like, the thing is still becoming the thing it's not you know we need the audience we need the audience we need of course I'm going to say this as a critic we need the critics too to tell us what worked and what didn't um not that I agree with all of them but some of them are getting it so um so yes total fangirl eternal fangirl of this first season well you know there's uh, the the thing is still 
creating because also there's so many levels of the thing, right? So, I mean, if you go back to Lovecraft himself, right? We've got this notorious world builder, sci-fi writer, racist, right? And then you've got the book, Lovecraft Country, that the, the... the show was adapted from and that was in 2016 and it took it was by matt ruff and it i'm going to just read from the the description here because i think it says it well it explores the conjunction between the horror fiction of hp lovecraft and racism in the united states during the era of jim crow laws as experienced by black science fiction fan atticus turner and his family yes that is a, a you know so basically to say, all right, sci-fi writer, racist sci-fi writer, I'm going to use these worlds and I'm going to put these black characters in the middle of it, go. And then yes. we've got the show, which is adapting it. But how how true is it to the adap- adaptation and how much are you guys just just going for, for other other stories? We're going for it. Yeah. And I think as of right now, Three episodes are officially out. They did a surprise drop today for the fourth episode on HBO Max. But I think fans of the book and people who read the book are seeing, and you saw it in episode two, we've already made choices that are big departures from the book. And not everybody is happy with the choices. Even I mean, that particular choice, losing George as a character, was so hard and heartbreaking, but necessary for the journey that our characters need to go on. Um but, but yes, we always talked about Matt Ruff's book as this very important jumping off point. And we had to know that book very well. We went over it page by page, chapter by chapter. We looked very closely at what we absolutely needed to keep. And we also then thought very deeply about where we wanted to basically like skyrocket into. So that's how I always looked at it. Like this book is our foundation and this is where we're starting from. And we're going to now jump out into outer space and do some crazy stuff that um, we could only do on an HBO show with an HBO budget. <laughs> yeah, there must be a big budget on this one. It's a big budget. We're very happy. <laughs> Those are some expensive monsters. <laughs> but, you know, I, I found it interesting, you know, you know, the story person, I'm like, oh, this is what the show is going to be. And then episode two, oh, no, I think this is what the show is going to be. Oh, okay, episode three. Oh, I guess it's going to be completely different. Like every yeah. episode has yes. been so far. I've watched three. Like you said, there's that, that uh, the fourth one just rolled out yeah. um, in secret. And um, I, 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 what I did appreciate about the first one for sure was how it just says, okay, so these are the monsters of reality mm-hmm. until it goes into, and here's this new reality with more, yes. with, with literal monsters. It just takes yes. its time with yes. the who everybody is, the state of the world at that time, and the weirdness of the normality, the supposed normality of our country. Right. And you could have just lived there. And then it gives you some monsters. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Was that first episode, was that on purpose to take that amount of time and really like dig into who everybody was and what? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And Misha Green wrote the first episode. She wrote the first three episodes and then co-wrote the rest of the episodes with all of us um, and wrote the, the finale too. So Misha Green wrote that pilot and that was the pilot that I was given to read when I first met with her about the show. And it's, 
very much like exactly what you saw Mm -hmm. air. Um, It was an incredible pilot when I read it in 2017. And it's basically what you saw with a lot, you know, obviously all the money behind it and the production and all that stuff. And of course these incredible actors. Um, But yes, she is a person who's also very interested in characters and who she knows that you're not going to get people to care about any of the crazy stuff we're about to do if they don't care about these characters first. So that's why we spent time with them. We see Atticus reading. We see him dreaming. We see George and Hippolyta being loving with each other. Diana drawing. Like, all of those things are so important to Misha and therefore so important to the rest of the show. Um, but yes, it, it does take its time. And then I I guess I feel like, and then the rest of the show, there's like no time being taken. It's like, boom, 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 boom. But I'm still all with all that... <laughs> that love for the for the characters and it is like you said too i think what's uncomfortable for some people is they can't get a hold of it mm-hmm. um and i've had friends be like just tell me what the show is what is happening <laughs> what is this show and i'm like you have to just surrender and let that go and enjoy the ride because it's going to keep changing it's going to keep evolving and just when you think you've got it figured out and you've predicted something that's going to happen you're wrong or you're right, but you're right in a way that you didn't expect to be. So just buckle up. That's what I keep telling people. Buckle up. <laughs> now, in your podcast, you like to hit a different, hit the themes of the show every week. Like that's your, mm-hmm. that's your entry point. So as a writer, is that how you were looking at your contribution to the writer's room? Like I'm always going to approach this thematically or was that the way in for the writer's room in general? I think we had a few different ways in and I think we had a few different ways of talking about what we wanted to happen in each episode. I think thematically I'm drawn to those things just being the kind of writer that I am and having been a critic, I'm, I am often looking at the episode from a critic standpoint. What's, what would I say about this episode? How would I review it? And also like, what are the things that I would be excited about? What would I say doesn't work? So I actually, in the beginning of my career was worried that being a critic would hold me back in a way like that. I wouldn't, that I would be too good at that and not good at the actual writing part, but I was wrong. I'm very good at both apparently. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so the themes I'm very drawn to, but what what we would talk about, um, I would say we would tackle characters where's this character we always had to ask that with every character where is this character based on last week's episode where do we need them to be at the end of this episode what would they be feeling emotionally there's something we want them to do but how would they do it based on everything that's happened up to that point so we would have these long complicated conversations about each of the characters and then we would have these long complicated conversations about the themes okay we want this episode to deal with um, the fact that Letty came back from the dead, that she was actually dead and she's kind of a ghost now. And she's also living in a haunted house. Great. But how do you behave when you're trying to come back from the dead? Okay. And then we also want to talk about pioneering and what, um, what risks black people were taking when they moved into neighborhoods like that. What was smart about it? Who would disagree with what Letty is doing? What would they say? What are the benefits of it? What's the problem with Letty's activism? Well, we decided that Letty's a selfish person and that kind of comes through sometimes. So of course that would impact her activism. Of course she would only move her friends in to the boarding house instead of opening it up to the community, which 
she has to learn that throughout the episode. So we would then have like that conversation about the themes. And we would always say, um, Misha would always say, take all the monsters out. What's the episode about? Take the haunted house out, take the ghosts out. Again, we need to create a story that's so compelling without any of those monsters and any of those effects that people are coming back to watch this family every week. Now let's put the monsters in and what do they look like and what are they doing and what's like the scariest thing that we that we see in monster movies that we like. We watched, we watched a lot of movies together, things like that. So having these like kind of separate conversations that then coalesced into these episodes was was how we approached it and I loved all of it I think I I was definitely more useful with like themes and characters and with monsters I was slightly less useful because I was one of the scaredy cats in the room who hadn't actually like watched tons and tons of horror so the the writing experience was also my time to catch up on a lot of movies that I had been avoiding for a long time and now I'm kind of in there I'm still kind of a scaredy cat but I'm getting braver oh so so as a new horror watcher uh what have you watched that resonated with you uh i just i'm about to finish train to busan which i love which is the korean zombie movie um zombies on a train so beautiful um we watched it follows at the beginning of the lovecraft country room we were asked to watch it and i loved it and it was really scary in a kind of beautiful way and um, I used uh, one of the places that I used to write for, and I was the TV editor, was Paste Magazine. And we have a really great, uh, we have a, a few really great writers who deal with horror. And one writer had reviewed this movie called Prevenge. Prevenge? <laughs> Prevenge. Huh. And it's about a pregnant woman who goes on a killing spree um, <laughs> in, in a time that. of... I was like, okay, I'm going to have to get over my fear of horror and watch this movie. (laughs) And I watched it and I loved it. And I was like, this is exactly what I want. Just crazy, angry women who are like nine months pregnant doing batshit crazy things. So Uh, um, lots more, but those are a few that come to mind. I love that. I love that. But I also, you know, you just gave such a really great rundown of the storytelling that goes on in the writer's room as far as, you know, Misha's point of view, the idea of like, doing it emotionally first where where do you have to get to and i love take the monsters out you know i think that's such good advice for writers because so many people lead with the monsters and they're like look but it's really cool it's got five eyes you know and it's like yeah but um how does that make your main character feel what do they do about it um you know what does it drive them to do next you know what's the you know so it's that's that's really really great advice now Okay, so 2016 to now, all these these projects, and we were just talking right before we started, like, yep, this is your life. This is what you, you're going to do. So yes. for, <laughs> um, do you have, when you're between projects, okay, which I don't know if you've gotten a chance to be between projects. A little bit, here and there. <laughs> but do you have um, sort of a writing ritual that you do because you also have three children, like, how do you find time? What part of the day do you write? That kind of stuff. This is such a great question because I struggle with this. Um, and I don't know. I think it came from, I'll, I'll blame my kids because it's always easy to do that. But I feel like because I had kids young-ish, I was in my early 20s when I had my first. I had three. I had all three of them before I was 30. I feel 
I was just writing when I could. I was writing early in the morning. I was writing super late at night. I was writing in the middle of the day. I never liked writing on um, iPhones. Like I never liked, I was always like, no, I have to, before I had kids, I have to sit down. I have to write it on paper first and then I can bring it to the computer. All that went out the window. I was like, (laughs) you're never going to graduate and you're never going to do anything if you have to have it set up like that. So I learned to write with a baby in my arm on my phone, like things that there was no ritual. There was, I didn't really see how there could be time for one. So fast forward to now, and I'm still in that mode of like, I just write whenever I can. I just write when I get a break. But I was just having this conversation with Misha the other day, and I was talking about feeling overwhelmed and stressed out with certain things. And I was like, I think I have to become a morning person. And I vowed after like whatever that last long night that I pulled with one of my babies, I said, the minute that these children are sleeping through the night, I am never waking up a minute earlier than I have to. And I have committed to that. <laughs> Good for you. For a year. But now I'm like, you actually need a writing ritual and you need to write every single day, no matter what, especially with everything going on now. It's so easy to get overwhelmed. It's so easy for me to be, a, especially with Lovecraft out. Like I could just be on Twitter all day reading Lovecraft tweets. And sometimes I am. So it's like, I have to, I, so now as of literally this week, I've started waking up every morning, like a, try to do like an hour and a half before my kids really start going and just writing and getting my time out of the way so that if I don't get to write again for the rest of the day, I can live with that. Um, and if I do great. And so, so far that's working. I mean, I'm saying this, I'm literally on like day three of waking up early and writing, but it feels good and it feels right. So I'm going to try to keep it up. Are you, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask this or if you, you know, con- contractual kind of stuff, but are you writing something original? Yes. 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 I am. Okay. I have something in development. I don't think I should say with who, but I have something that I love that I'm really excited about um, that's in development in development right now. And, um, and that's a whole different beast from showing up to a writer's room and starting working on a show. Um, this is really different and it's, I'm really excited and it's really complicated. And sometimes I, I feel like recently I I had an epiphany about the show that I'm really excited about. This is so annoying. I'm talking all around it. No, that's absolutely fine. Everybody who knows me knows it's about black women and it's dark and it's about mom shit. Sorry. It's about mom. There is a lot of women. A lot there. That's mom. Yeah. Okay. Got it. You know, I I did want to ask you because on, on your podcast, you dig right into the racial issues on the show. And I want to know, I mean, my God, you know, every time you, you watch, every time, every time you watch an episode, it has a new context now, right? Even, even different from when you were writing it, right? Which had its own context. Yes. Um, So I guess my, my question is for writers who are listening what aren't people writing now that you wish they were writing? What what do you think they're scared of writing that you'd like to push them toward? Ooh, I love this question. Um, well, I'll talk about women and I'll talk about women. I'll talk about mothers first. That my big, my big thing is that there is a la- layer of protection around female characters. And I don't know if people realize that that's what's happening sometimes because 
we have interesting women on television and I've been tracking them all for a long time. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And there's always this sliver of, but she loves her kids. (laughs) Um, I call it like the Cersei effect. She's a monster. She'll burn an entire city to the ground, but she just loves her babies. And I'm like, no, she doesn't. Or what if she doesn't? Mm -hmm. Would we dare imagine a mother like that? Um, And not in the ways that we've seen bad mothering, because I know that version, but I'm talking about really complicated, dark, strange Things. And that was one thing I liked about Little Fires Everywhere. We definitely talked about that a lot. We definitely talked about that on Lovecraft Country. I'm definitely going to make all my shows about that element, among other things. This is like the adopted kid in me coming out and the foster kid in me that's still there. And then all like everything. This is all about me. But <laughs> why shouldn't it be all about you? you? You're pretty interesting. Why not? I would love to see more of that for for the women on television, more of them actually getting to do lots of bad things, even concerning their own children. Um, More female rage, please. Uh, We're doing that a lot on Lovecraft Country, but I just feel like we need more. So there's that. And then I think there's, you know, in thinking about race in this country and America, I I think I'm not thinking of any particular TV show, but I just feel like people don't like to let things be complicated. Like, Let America be a complicated place. Um, Let, if you're making a show in the 60s, let it be really complicated. Um, Meaning all of the things that it was, if it was, um, you know, if it was just Sterling Cooper Draper Price, then that's one thing. But it's, it wasn't just that. It was like a million other things. And you think that we all have to let ourselves see those things from different angles. And I'm thinking about the types of shows that I'm writing too, where I'm like, okay, Shannon, you have to let it be more complicated. It's even more complicated than that. Um, So I think it's that, like just giving space to a lot of strange things. And this country has it. Like, I feel like that's also what Lovecraft Country is saying. Like, this is a weird country. This is a complicated, (laughs) weird, beautiful, strange, awful, all of the things. So let it, like, let's let it be that. And then one more answer that I'm just thinking of too, spirituality, Um, growing up in the church and not being in the church anymore. Um, Religion is almost always bad on television. Like very religious people are always scary. Um, People who go to church are always like, it's just so rare to see it, to see spirituality or faith treated in the complicated way that it is because of course religion can be scary of course there are people who believe and they're terrifying um but also it can be a beautiful place also you know like it's it's all of the things so as vague as that is i'm like just let more things be all of the things and try to figure out how to write it i know it's hard i'm trying i i love what you had to say about moms just starting with that you know as as a mom and i think too when you show people with all of those complications, it lets your audience feel okay about their complications. So instead of just trying to say, this is what a good mother is like, you can say, you can say, hey, here's a a mother. Yeah, she might be a little like you. And it's okay. You know, like, we we think her story is worthy, even though, you know, she's having a moment of not loving her kid. You know? Yes. Yes. And there's such a thing as, um, there's such a thing as bad moms too, Mm -hmm. like complicated bad moms. And 
you know, we've now we've equated bad mom with bad human who deserves to like die. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but there are people who are bad at their jobs all over the world. And, and we tell their stories, like, what if you're just bad at this job? (laughs) What does that look like? And we romanticize bad dads a lot. Those, those bad dads are always like, Hey kid, I know I wasn't there for you. But, uh, but I'm, you know, I'm so cool. And I know you look up for me, up to me. And I know it's 20 years later and here I am. And, you know, let's go on an adventure. You know, I mean, I read those all the time. And it's like, what if that was a mom who just showed up, you know, hey, you know, I really needed to explore myself. And, you know, I'm back. and I'm super cool. Let's go. Let's go on a road trip. Like that would (laughs) never, no, she'd be hit by a car in act one. And then, you know, yeah. So. <laughs> so I love you. that. Let us be bad. Let us go on adventures and come back when we're ready. Exactly. Um, be Don Draper. He took that kid to the movie like one time, and we were like, "Oh, he's such a good dad." <laughs> Awful. <laughs> really fun to watch, but like really horrible. Let's and again, that's fine. But let's let Betty do it too. Let's let the other let's let's let other people do that too. I have to ask you about another show that I'm confused about whether it was on or not. Okay. Station Eleven. Don't be mad. It oh, hasn't no, come out yet, mad. right? Station Eleven's not out yet. Okay. Because no. I was like, yeah. because, okay, I started reading Station Eleven. I had to yes. put it down because, of course, I started reading it in March, you know, and it is so <laughs> reflective of, like, un- it's so uncanny in yes. in its storytelling, in its reflection with COVID. Yes. So when were you writing it? And how freaked out are you now? I'm just curious. Yeah, very freaked out. We were we were in the writer's room starting in September of last year. And the writer's room finished in December. And I think there was a mini room that I wasn't able to do. But it was very bizarre and uncomfortable. Like at the beginning of this, watching this unfold and going crap that's kind of what we were talking about and then at the same time it's come like I think we just because we had we were making it up we hadn't actually experienced a pandemic so we're making it up and we're making it up based on this um beautiful book and it's like okay some of it is definitely accurate and some of it I'm like okay we definitely didn't think about toilet paper we definitely didn't think about like there's definitely hoarding that happens but um but yeah I I think I think too, once I started seeing the parallels, I almost wanted to not think about it more. Cause I was like, this is not fiction. And I did think, I wonder how this will play now. It'll it's again, it's what I was saying about Lovecraft. You don't know what a show means for a long time. Sometimes like we don't know what station 11, me, station 11 means something totally different now right. than what it meant a year ago. And you know, we'll have to grapple with that when it's out. But that's, that's interesting to me. That's exciting to me, but scary too. Like, again, Lovecraft Country, we were writing it in 2018. And it means a lot of what it meant then, but it also means something totally different now. Like, that's weird and cool. But that's why I'm like, you can't really claim to be an expert on a thing, you know, because history is still unfolding. So you've been on some super cool shows. My God. Or do you ever get like, could you just put me on a nice comedy where like people just talk over a coffee? No, you you're not like you're not interested in that. No. No. I wanna watch those shows. Uh-huh. I definitely wanna watch those shows. But 
as far as writing goes, that's not for me. But I, but I, but I love them. And again, it's not to say that those shows aren't complicated and interesting too. Um, and and we have, you know, you need that too with all these heavy dramas. I'm I'm always a big proponent of we need we need to laugh. We have to do something funny. We have to do something silly here because this is so heavy. So, um, but yes, but as far as my career, I, I think I'm in this space. Though it is, it's funny. My first, um, my first script that I sold to Amazon was a, it was a comedy, but it was a dramedy kind of in that, like, I wanted it to exist in the transparent flea bag type of world of like, kind of dark and sad and kind of funny too. So I want to, uh, I'm going to let you go very soon because you're probably like, I'm, I'm locked in this closet and she's not letting me out. And I've got this big microphone. I've got my three I'm kids. I'm away and... from my kids. I'm doing something. To, you know how it is right now. It's like everything that's not reminding you of the pandemic feels nice. So there's that. Although, of course, here, is that like, a little one who's, that, who's coming on in? Hey, and here's the oldest. I'm almost done, baby. Yeah. You sure you want to say hi? That's okay. No, no. He would love it. He would love to get on here and just take over. How how old? The th- That's the six year old. Yeah. Well, it's okay with me. Just letting you know. <laughs> That's all right. He's gone. He's disappeared. Okay. All right. I, you can tell I miss I miss six year six oh, year olds. Yeah. You know, fifteen year olds are they're really cool. They're they're not as cute though. So I know what you mean. I I miss it too. I'm like, oh, the babies are gone. Like even my six year old. I'm like, this isn't a baby anymore. But I try. You know. <laughs> Try to hold on. So I would love it if you would leave us with um, a writing tip and a career tip. So think about, you know, what what's something you love to put in your writing or a tip for dialogue or a tip for action writing? Something that, you know, you, you feel you do well that, you know, may, maybe a, a little tip there. Do you have anything? Sure. I'll start with the writing tip. This is small, but it matters to me. I think that for characters, you need those small moments that don't necessarily take up a lot of time, not, not a lot of space on the page, but I'm thinking of Elena dropping those dishes onto the ground, which is something that I've done. I'm thinking about, um, in Lovecraft country, we have an episode, I think it's episode three, Hippolyta is tearing the pages out of George's book. And little things like that, both of those came directly from my own experiences of how I've dealt with anger or grief in a moment, in a particular moment. And I think more writers need to trust all those little strange things that you've done are actually really interesting when you give them to a character that you've built up that has, again, like a lot of other things. You can't make up a character with just that. But a lot of those beautiful moments that we love seeing are really intimate, small acts that immediately tell you how a person is feeling. So I I feel like I've gotten good at trusting little experiences that don't seem that big, but that actually look really cool on screen, at least to me. So I think giving space to those, I'm calling them small things. I don't think they're small at all. Um, They're really important. So things like that, I would say we can use more of in writing. That's an excellent tip. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. And I don't remember the second question. The second question is career. What do you know now that you wish you knew then? (sighs) I'm going to say something a little controversial. Okay. (laughs) 
Maybe. All right. I guess I would say that there's a way to do this job where it feels easy and that if it feels easy, you're not working hard enough, that there's a way to do this job. And this is true for all jobs. You show up to work, your boss asks something of you. Maybe they ask a lot of you. Maybe they ask a little of you. Don't get comfortable when you feel like you're not being asked to do very much or you're not being asked to push yourself and in your don't get comfortable not pushing your own self. And I mean that in the sense of you have a list of things that you think is important for a character that list matters, but you should always be pushing that list of things. Um, You have an idea of what motherhood is. I I'm saying you, but I have an idea of what I think motherhood is. That idea should always be evolving. I should not be thinking the same thing that I thought five years ago or two years ago. So just evolution and, and how uncomfortable that is like to me is the space that more of us should be trying to live in politically. Um, You might have a set of beliefs. If those haven't evolved over the last couple of years, there's something wrong and it's going to be reflected in your writing. So I don't know, just like, again, not getting comfortable and not letting, especially, no offense, but not letting Hollywood tell you that you're good enough or that you're, that where you are is great. I, I feel like that's a mistake that I made at certain points in my career because everybody was like, wow, look at you, Shannon, look at you on all these shows. And I'm like, oh yeah, I am Shannon. I am on all these shows. <laughs> and I don't want to live in that space. I want to constantly be trying to earn my place, not just in this career, but in this world. Excellent advice. Thank you so much. I Thank wanna, you, Pilar. I want to make sure everybody's you, that you're pointing everybody to watching the things you want them to watch and listen to the things you want them to listen to. So let's start with Love Lovecraft Country Radio, right? It's, yes. Um, the podcast about Lovecraft Country. All right. So everybody can listen to that anywhere you get your podcasts, and yes. also Lovecraft Country on HBO, which is happening right now. Yes. Highly recommend. It's yeah, you will you will be talking to whomever you're watching it with. You'll you'll keep talking about it for maybe two days because that's what's going yeah. on in this house for sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes, and I want to also say hi to my my co-host on Lovecraft Radio is Ashley C. Ford, and she's so incredible, and I'm having so much fun with her. And she is a a real live podcaster. I'm um, posing as one for right now and having a really good time. But she's so incredible, and she's a big part of what makes that show. I mean, she's. of what makes that show work. Um, In addition to, of course, like our production team and everybody. So um, thank you, Ashley. And yes, I'm in in love with her voice. She's got like this really cool, deep voice. Butter. Yeah. Really, really nice. And then uh, what about social media? Um, Do you, are you followable? I'm followable. I'm, I think, God, I can't believe I don't like know my own Twitter handle. I think I'm at Shannon M. Houston. Of course I have it up, right? Uh, Let's, double check (laughs) uh yes i'm at shannon m houston on twitter and i'm shannon 
M Houston official on Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. And I want to remind everybody to go to onthepage.tv to check out the classes that are online. When this comes out, it will be the day before the four-part rewrite techniques class. And yeah, you could still come on in late if you missed the first Saturday. Don't worry about it. I'll send you the recording and you can jump in. I'd love to work with you that way. Thank you again to Shannon Houston. You this was incredible. You absolutely blew me away. And everybody who's listening, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Thanks to all of you for listening. Have a good writing week. 